Episode 68 of the Juicebox Podcast is brought to you by Insulet. They're the makers of the Omnipod, which, as you know, is the world's only tubeless insulin pump. But today, when the ad runs, they're not going to tell you about the insulin pump. They're going to tell you about the new iPad app called Toby's T1D Tail. Let me give you a little rundown of today's episode. My guest is Nikki Nichols. She's a diabetes mom who you may have heard of because she's been all over the news this past week. She reached out to her Mississippi State representative, Jeffrey Geis, looking for guidance on a problem she was having with insurance. And what she received back was a flippant reply that uh, she did not appreciate. And since then, her story has been everywhere. National news, overseas, She is uh, she's really a fantastic type 1 diabetes advocate. I know you know the story I'm talking about. If you don't, settle in. If you do, Nikki tells me that she shared more with me than she was able to share with the national news because of the long-form format of the show, so you're in for a treat. And I want to say this. This is one of those stories I thought I knew going into it, but it turns out I, I was wrong. I misunderstood what Nikki was looking for, what she was trying to accomplish, but what I did understand was that she didn't deserve the response she got. I think you're going to really enjoy this, and uh, be sure to check out Nikki's Facebook page when you're finished. There's a link in the show notes. I'm Nikki Nichols. I'm a mom of two kids. My daughter, Isabella, who we call Bella. Um, has type 1 diabetes. She was diagnosed about three and a half years ago. And my husband also has type 1 diabetes. So Bella is how old now? She's eight and a half. Eight and a half. She's had type 1 for th- over three years? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, let's talk about that for a second. How about when Bella was diagnosed? Obviously, your husband, did your husband have type 1 at the time? Yes. He was diagnosed before his first birthday. Okay. So... So that's interesting. Before we get to our topic at hand, is that something that you ever thought about? Were you wondering if your children would get type one or or where were you at with that when you married somebody who had type one? Well, you know, before we had kids, it was always something that he was concerned about. But other than himself, there was no one in the family who had type one. So it was kind of a fluke as far as the family was concerned. Um, You know, I've always been the kind of person that's, you know, don't worry about it. Go with the flow. Do what you have to do. What are the chances mm-hmm. of, you know, our kids ever having type 1? Nobody else in the family has it. Yeah, I, listen, um, I think that's a fair way to live. I, I don't think that any of us would do well for, for ourselves by wandering around all day and wondering what bad things are coming for us. So uh, <laughs> it, it seems completely reasonable to me. But but then it, it did come and uh, three and a half years ago or three years ago or so. When Bella's diagnosed, is she even in school yet? Or had she just started maybe kindergarten? Uh, she had not. She was in like four-year-old kindergarten. Okay. Um, I was, um, when she was diagnosed, my son was 10 days old. So we had a newborn at home and she'd been showing symptoms for several months. She had a very, very slow onset. Well, either that or I am hyper aware of everything. (laughs) Um, but we had been seeing the symptoms and, you know, I guess a little bit of denial and a little bit of that whole trying to be positive, you know, well, it's probably not, it's probably this, it's probably that. And finally, the symptoms were just so obvious that we had to do something. So we sat down at the kitchen table and stuck her finger and the meter came back high. So that was the 
the most real moment I think any of us have ever had in our lives. I would agree that that moment in my life uh, stands stands out as being one of the most hyper aware hours of my life. Just I've never been more, um, I guess, just affected by everything and 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 emotions and thinking. Yeah. And it was really a hyper aware moment. So okay, so what do you do when you already know what type one diabetes is and your child's diagnosed? You, I'm assuming you still go to the hospital, but it's- oh no, we're we're really stupid. We um we give her lots of water and we put her in bed with us because it was a rainy, cold Friday night. And we said, if we go to the emergency room now, it's going to be hours. And, you know, her symptoms were obvious, but she was not in DKA. Um, So we called the pediatrician first thing in the morning and said, do you want us to come to you or do you want us to go to the emergency room? He said, go to the emergency room, please. Um, (laughs) So, you know, from there on out, we spent about three days because we had a newborn and I was terrified and I said, you know, I'm going to accidentally kill her because I am going to screw something up. Um, I can remember after my wife had had either of my children, she was a little, I guess, dazed is maybe the right word. Like, you know, she just, her body just been through this huge thing and there was all this, you know, her body's re-regulating itself. Your hormones are going back together. Like it's a really crazy time. Oh yeah. And you're exhausted. And I had, I had complications. So we literally, the night Bella was diagnosed, we had just come home from a trip to the emergency room. For you? My husband, yes, for me, my husband and my son and myself had been in the emergency room. Um, and my mother-in-law was here with my daughter and that was what happened is she saw some of the symptoms we'd been seeing and writing off and said, I'm really concerned. I'm with her now. We're going to check a blood sugar. Yeah. So, well, it was, she um, grew up with a child his whole life that had type one. And so exactly. She, yeah, she, so she was a diabetes mom from way back. Yeah. Uh, yeah she wasn't going to let you get away with that anymore. Um, yeah. well, okay. So, um, three years ago, did you guys, and, and does your husband use an insulin pump or glucose monitors or any kind of technology like that? He has an insulin pump. He did not get his until after Bella got hers. Okay. So, He's been pumping for maybe a year, year and a half now. Okay. So when did Bella get hers? She got hers about six months after diagnosis. Um, and so let's let's kind of like dive in a little bit to why we're talking to each other today. So you are you are here talking on the podcast because you had an issue getting medical services for your daughter, and and let's kind of start at the beginning of that. So, um. Do you, does the family have health insurance? Uh, my husband and myself do through his employer. Um, but, but they won't cover your children? They would cover the children. It was just that the co-pays would be so expensive that we still would not be able to pay our house note or our regular bills. And so we would probably end up homeless or living with a set of grandparents if we weren't to utilize the services that we do. That makes sense. So, so your insurance is probably almost completely covered by his his work, it's a very little outlay for you to keep insurance for yourself and, and for him, but, but much more to add sub- children. To, Correct. To and, and it's not even the premiums. It's just the co-pays. The you know, co-pays. if you're dealing with, especially two type one, two people with type one diabetes, you know, the co-pays on insulin for two people, test strips for two people, pump supplies, or even syringes and everything else, it adds up. Yeah. So quickly. And, you know, we're very much an average family, mm-hmm. um, you know, to pay 25 to a hundred dollars per prescription for copays for two type one, di- two people with type one diabetes is 
prohibitively expensive. It would end you guys financially. Yes, it really would. And so the decision you made then is then how is Bella get her health insurance then? Yes. And and she gets it through, I don't know how, I'm asking, I guess. So so, um, so what did you, because you couldn't afford that, what what did you do for the kids? The, the kids qualify because of the income level. Mississippi um, has, from what I understand now from other people who you never know how accurate those statements are, but um, Mississippi's um, income limits on any sort of assistance for children's health insurance tops out at about $50,000 for a family of four. Okay. So until you make $50,000 a year, you qualify for some sort of Coverage. insurance assistance. Yeah. Um, and we qualify for that. And so the kids have gotten their, you know, medical care through that, whether it was a regular pediatric visit or type one diabetes. And it has been a huge blessing because outside of that, outside of diabetes, it allows us to be a completely normal family. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you just so for the purposes of speaking for it, so we don't just refer to it in long words like the assistance. Sure. Does it have a name, the, the program? Medicaid. Medicaid. Um, Medicaid or CHIPS. Chip. There's two different levels. Okay. But essentially, it's all kind of the same thing. Okay. All right. And so that actually was doing well enough for you that Bella was able to get an insulin pump. Yes. They, they cover insulin pumps. They cover, um, here in Mississippi, they even cover the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor. Are you using one? Yes, we she, do have one. Oh, okay. So Bella uses a Dexcom or does uh, your husband too? Uh, Bella does. We've let Nathan try it a time or two, but he's not a big fan. Okay. Okay. So Bella has, so Bella's geared up. She's, she's got an insulin pump. She's got a glucose monitor. You're, you're able to live your life because of the assistance program and, and you're going along fine. How did you end up in the news? Because you were literally everywhere in the news. So I, you know, I, I am kind of a loud mouth and I'm a mama bear by nature. So we, to start at the beginning, she has an animus insulin pump, and we've never had any complaints about it. But being an eight-year-old girl, she started to get some comments from kids. What's that? Or catching the tubing during a soccer game and pulling her side out. And so we started to explore the option of an Omnipod. Okay. Um, we had a lot of problems switching through Omnipod's Cut the Cord program. Um, because we could not find an in-network provider for the pods. I spent day after day on the phone with um, the insurance company, Medicaid, mm -hmm. and it's overseen by UHC. Essentially, Mississippi Medicaid is outsourced to United Healthcare's community plans. Okay. Um, but I called and called, and I never got anywhere. And for two or three months, I gathered data, and I researched, and I called and talked to people repeatedly. And I finally said, okay, I give up. I'm not getting anywhere. Um, and that's not like me, but it was giving up or my sanity. Mm -hmm. So I, we, I don't think, Nikki, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you too much, but I, I, no. I don't think people appreciate having phone calls about health insurance, how mind-numbing it is. And, and it really, <laughs> it just, I've spent days pacing back and forth in my kitchen where I just think to myself, like, I'm just going to drive my head through the countertop. Like, yes. like no one's listening. I'm being, I feel like I'm being clear. I, I, I feel like I'm covered. I, I, at some point you recognize I'm being told no, just because they can tell me no, even if it's exactly. something I'm eligible for. And so this is a moment where I'm going to ask you, um, to, after we're done recording this, and by the way, it's going right up, um, on Tuesday, but after okay. we're done recording this, I'm going to send you a link 
to a different episode of this podcast. And it is episode, I'm uh, looking, 61. And it's called Samantha is the Robin Hood of Diabetes Insurance Appeals. <laughs> and Samantha, on her own time, uh, she is a, a do-gooder extraordinaire. She will help you through the process of appeals. And she's really, really good at it. Awesome. Well, we, we actually have been part of Mississippi Medicaid is you get a choice between two insurance provider companies. Okay. And we have actually requested a switch to the second company because we couldn't get anything done with UHC. And so you're still on a path to yourself to maybe get the Omnipod for yourself. I sure hope so. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So you're doing that. Everything's so I see again, I'm looking from the outside here. Everything looks pretty good. You got an insulin pump, yeah. you have insulin to put in, you're using a glucose monitor. You're really kind of kicking butt here. But, um, but then what happens? So we weren't getting the coverage that we needed. Mm -hmm. Other parents started saying the same thing about other other pumps. Animus parents were saying, we can't get pump supplies. We can't get tubing. Tandem parents were saying the same thing. Right. So a lot of these parents don't have the experience that I've had in just this year fighting with this, but they also don't have the same temperament that I do. Okay. They get told no, and they get upset, and then they just accept the no. Um. So I decided to write a letter um, to the Mississippi House of Representatives because I just happened to run across their email address that morning um, and said, what can it hurt? I'm going to send an email. Maybe somebody there knows somebody that works, you know, within the upper echelon of Medicaid employees, or maybe they're on a Medicaid committee and they would be able to help us figure out what the problem is and get it sorted out. And you're at the point where it, it's worth a try sounds like a motto at that point then. Yes. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah, right. Um, so I typed up an email, sent it out. I got a couple of responses earlier in the day. Um, you know, one was from a representative named Becky Curry, who was, a, I believe she was an RN, but I know she was a nurse, um, who is in the House of Representatives. She asked me for more details, which I provided. Um, and... She contacted Medicaid behind the scenes, and I heard from them later in the week. Um, another representative, um, Jay Hughes, he you know offered to meet with me later in the week and sit down and let's talk and find out what the problem is. So about 7.30 that evening, I checked my email, and I have an email from one of the representatives. Um, his name was Jeffrey Geis, and basically, I'm not looking at it, so I couldn't tell Hold you. Hold on a second. Them. Hold on a second, Nikki. <laughs> Did it say... I am sorry for your problem. Have you thought about buying the supplies with money that you earn? Thank you, Jeffrey Geis, sent from my iPhone. Dude, how did you know? <laughs> I'm looking at it right here. <laughs> well, he's um, just a warm guy, huh? Yeah, and I really honestly was shocked. I mean, it was one of those moments I didn't immediately get mad. I happened to have my three-year-old in the bathtub, and I had run across the hall to grab my phone so I could play on it because he didn't want to get out of the tub. Mm-hmm. And I sat back against the foot of the bed and was just like, no, like, oh my goodness. How many of your test emails that you returned started with F you and then you had to start over again? The Honest, honestly, none. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I have learned before I was, a, before I was a local diabetes advocate, I was an advocate for car seat safety. Okay. Um, so I've had about 10 years of this advocacy thing. Well, not quite 10 years, but I've had about eight and a half years of this car seat advocacy and diabetes advocacy thing growing. And I've learned long ago that you, you win more flies with honey. 
So you can, so you reply in a nice way then. You're you're not you didn't get upset. You didn't fire back like. For the most part, yes, I was very firm okay. and I wasn't friendly, but I wasn't rude either. And I did kind of, as I've seen it said this week, I had my little mic drop at the end, but I wasn't going to let him get off scot free for the comment. Sure. Um, and you know, I of course got screenshots, and I had started a little page on Facebook because. Um, I was trying to kind of gain a social media following for something else I have going on. And I did not, you know, I expected a few shares. I expected a few, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I did not expect for, to wake up on Tuesday morning and it had been shared, you know, 350 times and the news was contacting me. And (laughs) I I got that image from the ABC's like, national news service that's that's where i found it you know yeah and so it, it, it and they picked it up by tuesday afternoon at three o'clock yeah i mean it was so fast and, and so like here's a good jumping off spot for a second so so nikki i'm gonna tell you that i'm 45 at this point although my my son told me this morning i'm 44 and i'm going to be 45 in a couple of weeks which makes me question how you can't is. keep up with it anymore how i don't know how old i am but apparently, i'm the same way don't feel bad i'm in my mid-40s and and i grew up in a household where i was five years older than my i was the oldest and i was five years older than my middle brother who was five years older than my younger brother so when i was 13 my brother was eight my other brother was three my parents had been married for 21 years, and my dad came home for dinner one night, had dinner, took a shower, left, and we never saw him again. Oh, now, now, up until then, my mom had had like a part-time job in like a, like a local clothing store. It was extra money for the family. We were very blue-collar um, and, and happened to be living in a home that my parents rented from a local church. And so my mom went from you know making... God, if I remember right, it was a long time ago, obviously, but two fifty or three dollars an hour to rehang clothes in a clothing store to make some extra money for the house, to taking that as a full time job. My father wasn't exactly sending money home. We were poor, like mm-hmm. like really genuinely poor. And and so I have a really personal frame of reference for the idea of you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I, I think that's something that that people say sometimes. Because people who struggle financially are are easy to marginalize. Then, and when you're doing better than them, a lot of people seem to take a lot of joy in saying, "Well, you should just try harder, like I did." And, and you know, and 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 that obviously is not nearly always the case. There are certainly there are a number of people in the world who don't work, and they're they're getting assistance, and and it, it's easy for people who are working to feel badly about that. But you're you're a working person. Your family is working, and 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 it's not unreasonable to expect health insurance for your children. Well, and my husband works two jobs. I am a stay-at-home mom, but I do vol- do, do try to volunteer my time for you know organizations like the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi, Mississippi, um, and you know do things for my kids' school when they need it, and volunteer at our church whenever you know certain events come up. And, and so that's fantastic because because even if you were working two jobs, then the the cost would just pile up somewhere different. And and your I, husband's working two jobs, that's more than admirable. Um, you, you know, it, it's just it's that response that comes from guys that is is maddening to me because I am not in that situation any longer. But I did not pull myself up from my bootstraps. That's not how it worked out for me. And 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 it isn't just because and, and we weren't not working hard before. 
you, you, you know, it's, it's, it's just a, if you dig a 20 foot hole and hand somebody a garden hoe and tell them to get themselves out of it, they can work as hard as they want. They're never getting the hell out of that hole, you, you know, and maybe they'll work their whole lives to get it. Maybe they'll get halfway up or something. When the guy comes from next door and his parents, you know, both had nice jobs and they, and they sent them off to college and he says, oh, I worked hard at college. You worked hard at college. Like, what does that mean? Like someone sent you, even if you left with loans, like I tried to explain to somebody recently to tell a person whose family income is twenty or thirty or forty thousand dollars a year that they should go incur two hundred or two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in loans for college sounds insurmountable, and 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 I know that I did not go to college because the idea of how do I pay for it, hell the idea of how do I get there, you, you know like like who's gonna put gas in a car? Where am I gonna get a car from? How are you gonna eat while you're there? How would I eat while I was there? And that that those are questions that people that have some means don't answer. They don't have to ask them and they don't have to answer them. I, I, we're not wealthy people, but I vacation every couple of years. I don't worry about where food is coming from or if we're going to be able to pay our mortgage or our electric bill. I know what it's like to be on both sides of this. And to say to a person who's working hard, or you know what, even to say to a person who's not working hard, do better, everyone would do better if they could do better. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with making $50,000 a year, taking care of your children, and and. And, and, and staying home and raising your kids, there's nothing, no one should be ashamed of that. And, and, and for someone to come to you and say, have you considered taking the money you make and buying your own things with it? The inference there is, who knows what the inference is? Stop buying, you know, well, needless things that you're using with all your, the wealth, Nikki, that's fallen out of your pockets. Like, <laughs> like what an, oh God, I'm going to curse, Nikki. This is a whole podcast. I'm not allowed to <laughs> look, curse on here. I lose my, my clean rating on iTunes. But well, just, look, don't, don't do that. Go Let ahead. me explain it to you this go way. Ahead, you do it. This wasn't just about my family. Mm-hmm. There, I, it was the other families, too. There was the single mom who lives two hours away, still in Mississippi. She works for the largest retailer probably in the entire world. Single mom, two kids, makes less than $1,700 a month. I don't know how they pay any, I mean, some bills, yes, but I don't know how three people survive on that amount of money, especially when you have a child with a chronic health condition. I mean, you have no option but to accept Medicaid, and you shouldn't have to have this extreme worry and stress to get your child the supplies that they need. And I've had it, I've had it said so many times this week. You don't have to have a pump. No, we don't. But you know what? There is plenty of medical data that backs up how beneficial these pumps are in the short term and in the long term. Not to mention things like being able to be discreet when you're in public and bullying and everything else that these kids sometimes go through, you know, just because of diabetes. We want to do, everybody wants to do the best that they can do for their children. And if someone doesn't understand that and want the best for an eight-year-old or a six-year-old or a 10-year-old child, I am more concerned about their level of humanity than I am about my child's pump supplies. Right. right. It, there's, there's, well, you know, there's a saying that, that's been retold a million times, but the gist of it is basically that you can judge a society by how it treats people who are in need. And, I've heard that many and, times. Right. right. And, and, and so... And so the idea of what you just said, that somebody said to you, well, you don't need an insulin pump. It, that, what, what the, the, here's the statement. Listen, you have less money than me. So because of that, I know there's a way to stay really, really healthy. And there's a way to stay really healthy. And there's a way to stay kind of healthy. And there's a way to stay sort of healthy. 
I'm not, you don't need to be really, really healthy, you know, because you don't have as much money as I do. So why don't you just say kind of healthy? Well, well that, that's okay for you, right? You're okay with kind of, aren't you? Because of the randomness of the parents you were born to, the, the, the opportunities that you had growing up, your ability to go to college, whatever it ends up being, the randomness of that. It, because your parents came in on a shore 150 miles more north or more south than somebody else did when we were all coming to this. You know what I mean? Like there is a randomness to why you live oh. where you live and I live where I live. Or why, the most, you know. The most infuriating part is the other parent, well, I can't confirm this, but the people who say they have a child with diabetes, why can't we use NPH? Sure, you should use insulin from 20 years ago. That would definitely be the way to go. And, I mean, do, and not know, only that, but we're going to grind up some ginger root for you when you have a headache. Can <laughs> I get some okra water to go with that, please? <laughs> so, and, and, so, and so there really is what happens. And that it's a bigger, more political discussion. But once money starts getting involved and people start thinking, well, I'm also not as doing as well either, and I could use this or I could use that, people lose their humanity and start fighting with whatever they have from their angle. Here's a person you don't expect that from, your government representative. Oh, no, I totally expect that from a government representative. I live in Mississippi. Let me change my statement then. Here's someone <laughs> you're hoping that's not coming from, your government representative, right? There right, we go. Right, that okay. works for okay. me. And so, 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 you know, you understand when it's people and it's everyday people and they're having their own issues and everyone thinks it's someone's fault, you know, um, at, at this point now, like the, there's, the, the joke on the internet is anytime anything goes wrong, people are like, I blame Obama. You know, like oh, it's gotten always. to that point where it's like, hey, my mailbox fell over. Damn it, Obama. You know, like that kind of thing. Because because it's it's easy to blame somebody. And and by the way, Republican, Democrat, doesn't really matter. The point the point is No, they're good and bad guys across every aisle. It's not important. What's important is that once you're put into a situation like this, you should you if you're not continuing to keep your compassion for another person, even when someone's not giving you compassion, well, then now you just saw how this vicious circle works. You, you have, I mean, it's, 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 it's direction we give, you know, six year olds when they go to school, but, but you really do want to treat people the way you're hoping to be treated. It's, it's, it's not rocket science, you, you know, because once one of us starts digging at you and then somebody else digs at them and, and we're all lost then. You know, and then it becomes okay to say to people, why don't you use old insulin or old technology? Or, you know what? Your kid's A1C is six. It wouldn't kill them if it was eight. You know, you know what do you need a glucose monitor for? Oh, so, so that they almost passed out once? That's random. I think, you, I you think that would cause me to be violent. I, would, I, would, I, would, I think <laughs> I would like to see you get violent. Okay? I, I think you would probably no, go from no, 10 to 100 you pretty quickly. not. I am very good at hiding my, my behavior <laughs> at times when I need to. I mean, and that goes back to, you know, you win more flies with honey. Right. I wasn't going to get anywhere with him. Right. I knew that. Right. You know, I knew when I met him on Wednesday morning, the second he walked into the room and I saw the expression on his face, I wasn't going to get anywhere with him. Right. So my opportunity was to do the best that I could to educate him, even if it was just in the back of his mind, mm -hmm. and educate the other people who were paying attention. Or I could get mad and, you know, holler and yell and throw things and try to make, I would have just looked like an idiot. He would have just, he would have just you written know? you off and said, look, look at this poor person. No wonder they don't have a good job. Exactly. He, he, right, right. You would have been. So, so, okay. So you get back to his initial email and then what happens? You're going to have to wait just a second to find out what happens because you know what this music means. 
It's time for an ad. I'm here today to tell you about Omnipod's new iPad app called Toby's T1 Detail. Toby is a uh, adorable turtle, um, which you can see a picture of on juiceboxpodcast.com. He's an adorable turtle, and he has a story to tell. Are you the parent or loved one of a newly diagnosed child with type 1 diabetes? The first release of Toby's T1 Detail mobile app is an educational resource geared towards kids with and without type 1 diabetes to help them learn more about diabetes. So if you've got an iPad, head over to the store, click on the link in the show notes. There's also a link at juiceboxpodcast.com. You're going to love the app. The art is fantastic. I'm, I've been looking through it now and, and, you know, I saw a sneak peek of it. I actually have a little Toby uh, stuffed animal here on my desk. Maybe I got to give this thing away soon. Look how cute this is. All right. Listen, click on the link, check out the app. I think you're going to like it. Most importantly, I I really want to give a lot of credit to Omnipod because, you know, there's a lot of device manufacturers. They stay out of the the public eye. They're a little scared to, to, to get involved. But Omnipod has, you know, they're coming out swinging. They're on Facebook now. They're on Twitter. They're really doubling down on community stuff like this app. I find it very commendable. Also in those show notes, if you're interested in trying a free, no obligation demo pod, it's easy to do. You click on the link, you put in your name and a little bit of information and Omnipod will send out a non-functioning demo pod that you can try on and wear and see how you like it. Who knows? Maybe you're uh, maybe you're ready for tubeless insulin pumping. So if you want to find out what all the hype's about, about Omnipod, it ain't hype. It's real, baby. But if you want to find out, click on the link. When you do that, it helps me because Omnipod supports the podcast. And actually, you know what? They just committed to supporting it for the rest of 2016. And their support brings you great guests like Nikki. Speaking of Nikki, I wonder what else she's going to say. Okay, so back to his initial email. Um, I replied back to him and just said, you know, that'd be wonderful. I wish I had the money that I could afford to pay for these supplies. Right. Um, I made a short list off the top of my head and, you know, average cost off the top of my head of what the, the absolutely necessary things are, you know, test strips, insulin, things like that. I threw a couple of things like glucagon in there because you need to have it, but mm-hmm. they're, ex- I mean, incredibly expensive. Okay. Now, see, um, that's really interesting. I don't know what glucagon costs. Y- oh, y- you know, well, according and- to the sheet we get from the pharmacy, where it says your insurance saved you, glucagon's about five hundred dollars each. And so there you go. I have insurance that's pretty pretty good. I order glucagon when mine expires. I've never once used one, and when I'm done with them, I take them to local schools and I let nurses practice with them. Exactly, and that's what we do with ours when they expire. Right, right. Thank God we've never had to use one, so that's been a lot of wasted money. But you know, if we ever had to have it, I'd be great. You know, I'd be glad we did. So, so that's fascinating. So, okay. So you, so you, you, you kind of showed him what, what things cost in general and and how did he reply? Um, I did not get a reply back. Um, I went ahead and put it on Facebook and it started going around. And the next morning I had not received any more emails from anyone in the legislature. Um, it was going around Facebook and, Two of the individuals that I've, you know, volunteered with in the past and I spoke and I was kind of on the fence about going up to the Capitol um, because we're only about 15 minutes away. Um, And I decided to go ahead. So we threw some clothes on and I didn't have time to line up childcare. So I took my three year old and my eight year old to the Capitol with me. And I'm really glad now that I went because 
I didn't know what to expect. I was afraid I was just going to be standing around. I didn't particularly want to speak with him because I didn't trust myself mm-hmm. um, to act like a normal human being. <laughs> um, but surprisingly, the media was already there. They were waiting on me. Um, they knew that I might be in there from a post on my personal page of me saying, would anybody be interested in going? Um, so I had spoken with the local paper while I was driving that way and the local media news stations were calling where, you know, when can we speak with you? And I was like, I'm at the Capitol. So for the next two and a half hours, I was basically interviewed by them and it just blew up. Good. So. Well, that's great. I mean, it brings a lot of a lot of awareness to type one. And, and, and you would hope that part of his response is his ignorance about the disease. You, you would hope. Uh, oh, no. But no, it wasn't. Not no. Happen. Oh, so he, so um, he understands what diabetes is. And he thinks so. Oh, he thinks um, he does. Okay. You know, this is probably the most honest I've been because a lot of this I have not shared with the regular media because they wouldn't understand. But you know, I got an email back from him late Tuesday night, you know, maybe nine thirty, ten o'clock. And at first I thought it was a joke because it was not written in a profi- professional manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically just saying he had meant to send it to me earlier, but he accidentally sent it to the wrong email address. And, um, you know, that he understood diabetes because we all have diabetes and, um, you know, we have to pay for test strips and we have to pay for this, that, and the other. And, you know, we basically only the insulin is covered or we, we or all, we metformin. all who has, we all who has diabetes. I don't know. Oh, okay. We, we all could have been family. We all could have been the legislature. I really don't know. Okay. So he just generally said everyone I know has diabetes. So I understand it. Basically. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, and I, I can't, you know, I replied back and said, are you, you know, First of all, is this even real? Forgive me for the bluntness, but is this even a real email? You can't be my representative. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, my email, everything had been everywhere. And I was like, is this fake? Mm -hmm. You know, has somebody just, did somebody find my email address and one of the screenshots that I didn't catch? And did, is this somebody goofing off? Um, But I did say, if you're still in Jackson, I'd like to meet with you tomorrow. So they were already in the process of trying to orchestrate that and, Myself and another mother and um, one of the representatives from the Diabetes Foundation that we do work with um, went up and met with the representative Wednesday morning. And, of course, the kids were there, too, mm-hmm. um, and tried to – we went for, you know, expecting that this is going to be a political apology, which is which was essentially what it was, um, and, you know – Tried to do some education. I really would have loved to get him in a room with about 10 of these kids for a couple of hours and just let him sit there and watch them check their blood sugar and bolus insulin and have lows and, you know, right. see what life is like. But that wasn't something we could put together that fast. Um, I challenged him to spend some time just privately. The media didn't have to know about it. Um, to spend some time at the Diabetes Foundation speaking with their director and possibly getting to know a couple of the kids um, so that he could find out what what life is like with type one and let him know that, you know, if he were to do as I had asked, that would be my acceptance. You know, I would accept his apology at that point. That would be a genuine apology for me. And that, you know, the diabetes foundation would of course let me know that he had done what I had asked. 
I will find out one day if he ever does that. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as everything else, it wasn't a very pleasant meeting. It wasn't entirely negative, but I've largely just given a no comment on it because it didn't go well. And I have no desire to drag this man through the mud anymore because this has given diabetes as a whole, but especially type one, a huge platform and a huge spotlight on this enormous, almost not completely worldwide, but the stories have hit Australia and Canada and the United Kingdom. Yeah. So, you know, let's talk about healthcare and let's talk about the cost of all chronic illnesses and the cost of these prescriptions that are essential for maintaining a life, you right. know? Right. So I've really been very excited about that and tried to gear the conversation towards that a lot. Yeah. There's so many different ways to talk about it. I mean, if he's so concerned with people being able to pay for their own things, couldn't he be working on what living wages are or, or building up the, the, you know, the community in a way that it supports jobs that make more money or, or what there are so many different things he could be doing other than to tell you basically, you know, leave me alone. I mean, you're, 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 you're you're a mother who is at this point reaching out to, to representatives in her state to say, look, you know, there's a system that helps us with our supplies. My child has a, a chronic illness that, you know, moment to moment could, you know, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it could, it could, it could, it's at the, at the, at the very least could be damaging them for long-term, their long-term health. They, they could be at the risk for short-term things to go wrong. It's a really serious thing. We're not walking. I'm not asking you for a more comfortable crutch for my limp that's going to go away in three days. And, you know, and, and so, and to get that kind of response back, any response would have been better. It w- he could have said, I'm very sorry that the system doesn't handle this, and but I want you to know, here are some things I'm doing in the community to try to make your life better. Nothing. Just, hey, why don't you go pay for it yourself? He could have said, I'm really sorry to hear that. Is it possible that you could pay for these until we get the sorted problem sorted out? Right. Are you able to afford them until we get the problem sorted sure. out? Because yeah, the yeah. inference is that you're just accepting free stuff from the state because you want to. But, oh, well. Yeah. We pay taxes. Right, right. It's just I mean, my, my parents pay taxes. My in-laws pay taxes. I'm pretty sure that if we had to say our taxes need to go to anything in particular, they wouldn't have a problem with it going towards my child's health. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, just, it's, it's such a silly response. And, and I guess you said you were, you were, you were, you were expecting it because I guess you don't have good experiences in the past. But, but it, it's, it's flummoxing to hear from the outside that that one you know it's easy to say oh it's a kid but it's anybody anybody mm-hmm. who needs exactly these things and 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 not only that but you're you're offering them you're saying hey we pay for insulin pumps in in the chip program so yeah i'm just trying to get one they're, <laughs> they're listed by name explicitly omnipod right. is covered animus is covered dexcom continuous glucose monitor listed by name as covered so they're you know? they're, they're forward thinking there but the process it's not like you got on and you were like hey we'd like a ferris wheel and and, and in my backyard i really want is one that I'd an like, option yeah, can i get one of those right? i would like chip to pay for a ferris wheel in my backyard you were just saying look you provide these things i'm just trying to switch from one pump to another how is it yet i'm not getting help well, and really, really, it wasn't even that. It was, look, these items are explicitly covered. They're, even the insurance company, even UHC is telling me they're covered. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that there's no in-network DME to ship them to anybody. We can't get a claim to be filed because the DMEs are saying, well, we're not in-network. Or they're not going to pay us for this because we're not in-network. And 
I've called every DME. I've called DMEs I've never heard of before. Just hoping they would be the ones that ship it. Yes. Yeah. And, and that was the problem is a lot of them would be in network for UHC, but they wouldn't have a contract with Mississippi Medicaid. Mm. So, you know, when, and I might kind of get in trouble for this, but I'm going to go and pin this back somewhere. This all started in April. Um, in April, let's see, on April 17th, we got a letter from Animus because previous to all of these problems, we got our supplies directly from Animus. Um, they were the in-network provider. Right. So in April, we got a letter stating that Animus was no longer going to be a network and they were going to outsource our monthly supplies to a different DME. Okay, no problem. May 7th, what was announced? Was it May 7th that it was announced? UHC and Medtronic exclusive deal. Yeah, we talked so, about that here too. Suddenly, we can't get Omnipod supplies. We can't get Tandem supplies. We can't get Animus supplies. Nobody with Medtronic has had any problems getting supplies. And I'm not saying that it's the whole deal. I think what happened is that they changed so many of their network providers that they were going to outsource all of the other pumps to somebody like well, just a general middleman DME. They didn't make sure that somebody that had a Medicaid contract was included on that list. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be part of the problem. So they, a large part of the so, problem. So maybe they're not trying as hard anymore for insulin pump companies who aren't Medtronic. That would be a good assertion. Uh -huh. There you go. Um, yeah, I I could yell and scream about that too, uh, if if you wanted to. But uh, but but uh, how much time do we have to yell and scream about things? So and, and that's such a overreaching issue with with United Healthcare that you know, and the idea that they've signed some exclusive agreement with one pump company and then said to people, oh, it, you know, it's fine. You can keep whatever you want until this it's not date. supposed mm -hmm. to affect anybody under the age of eighteen yeah, yet. Until it you know, does. This this begins two weeks to a month after the deal you know it's yeah. just well because they'll slowly it's, it's chip suspicious. away at that yeah they'll slowly slowly chip away at that and then the next announcement will say oh it doesn't affect anybody under this age and this age then one day it'll just be like it never happened and the pump company that they that they've partnered with will be the pump you can get and that'll be the end of it exactly and 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 that's a that is despicable for a whole other host of reasons. Well, it's even more despicable that the pump company did it, but you yeah, know. you're hundred percent right. It, it really genuinely is. And, and because, because, because to do that, because what, what the assumption has to be that you come to the, the healthcare comp to the healthcare insurance provider and you say, look, if you sign some sort of a more exclusive deal with us, we'll cut prices for you or something, whatever they ended up doing. I'm guessing, obviously. But there has to be something like that going on there. The insurance company's not going to turn that down. And in the end, they're going to say, oh, look, we have data that says our pumps are very good for people. People where our pumps have great outcomes. It's going to be fine. Giving no, absolutely, treating an insulin pump like it's a pill. Like saying, look, we have this pill, it does this. But you know what? We got to knock off one does the same thing and it's cheaper. If that's the situation, just give me the cheaper pill. I don't care. That's fine. But it's insulting to people and, and their personal choice for how they live their lives with their, di with their diabetes supplies, especially insulin pumps. Exactly. To say that one is just like the other because it's not. And it's a far more intimate thing than a pill. Right. You know, you're wearing this device 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Do you, how often do you swim? How often do you, you know, do this? How often do you do that? How heavy is it compared to the child's body weight? I know 
14 month olds that have had pumps and I can't imagine the weight of yanking their diapers down. And, exactly. Well, and, and, and make no mistake too, those, those statements of why it's okay, those are excuses. The people who've made these decisions, they know what you just said is correct. Oh, I and, know. And they don't care. These are, these are the simple statements that they've come up with that cover them and pretend that this is all going to be okay. Well, that's okay. I'm going to rant and rave about it anyway. I have a very annoying voice. And I can be really loud. And if all of us start to do that, maybe we'll get somewhere. Exactly. And and, and so and you're you're well on your way to that. I'd like to see you get Mr. Geis's seat. How do you think of that? That'd be great. I am not in his district. Oh. He he lives on the beach, and while the Mississippi beach is nothing compared to many of our beaches, it's little. I would love to be there, but I'm not in his district. Oh, okay. I have a couple of uh, individuals I've spoken with down there, though, that have. Uh, showed an interest and have been very understanding. So we'll see where that goes. But I believe he's in the legislature until 2009 or tw- yeah, 2019. So quite a while. Wow. Well, let's say, so let's talk about something else for a second. So, Be- so Bella's using, um, Anna's ping and she's using Dexcom G5. You're hoping to get mm-hmm. an Omnipod. How, how's she making out with that stuff? She's rocking it, dude. She's, um, you know, First, A1C was close to 10, but ever since she's floated around between 7.3 and 8.0, you know, we have those times where we say, okay, we need to kind of back off and not just, you kind of breathe for a minute. And then you realize, wait a minute, blood sugar's been high for a little while. Let's let's deal with this. Get back to it. Um, But for the most part, she stays around 7.5, which is great for her age. She plays soccer. She, you know is a normal average kid. She's a tomboy and wants to go out and tear everything up. So does she, um, does she disconnect her pump when she plays soccer? You know, we've tried that, but she usually goes high. Yeah. So well, um, that, is that one of the reasons you're hoping for the Omnipod too? Um, you know, really the Omnipod, the being able to disconnect or the being tubeless is the big thing. Yeah. She's kind of gotten self-conscious about the tubing and being asked about the questions. What's that on your hip or she wears it in a speed belt a lot, so she gets a little bump under her clothing, and that irritates her. Arden hated She's that, just yeah. getting to that age where she cares. Yeah, right. And so being able to have something that's a little smaller and a little more discreet um, has been something she's been wanting. And the for me, customer service is a, is a huge selling point. When we bought, well, when we got our Animus Ping, the customer service or the local rep was amazing and she is awesome and she switched over to um working for insulate a few years ago and now there is another um rep there too who and they're just amazing i have their personal cell phone numbers if i need anything all i have to do is call and say hey i'm having a problem can you help me sort this out well nikki we didn't talk about this before we spoke but when you listen back to this eventually, about 15 minutes ago, you're going to hear me break in the middle and do an ad for Omnipod because this podcast, <laughs> this podcast is actually sponsored by Insulet. So, um, well, they're Mississippi Territory rep and local rep. They're awesome. They should know go. who they are. They are amazing cool. people. That's excellent. It's good to hear because it, it is those kind of, it is that kind of understanding when you need help that really is the difference be, between you know you know calling a. a you know, a faceless person and saying something and not. And, you know, we had a, we had a situation here just recently. I just got back from vacation when you and I initially spoke, I was at my brother's wedding on, on a vacation. And, um, right before we left, I realized that we'd never got the last box of Omnipods that we were supposed to get from our provider, you know, the people who ship us our, our stuff. And I, 
it's Edge Park, who have traditionally not been really good. And But I had a, an experience once with a person who was really helpful, and I kept their private, like, their extension. Yeah. And then I called her, and I said, hey, look, for whatever reason, the reasons aren't important right now, I only got two of these three boxes the last time. I never noticed because there was a weird overlap with insurance, so the, 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 the pumps were coming, like, sporadically in the mail, and I lost track of how many I got. And I was like, in two days, I'm leaving. I'm getting on an airplane and I'm leaving. I really need another box of Omnipods. And I deserve them. They're, they're there to be shipped. And she was like, okay. And we talked for eight minutes. And then they were on my doorstep the next day when I got up awesome. by 10 a.m. But if I would have gone through that whole process of calling a person I didn't know, and it would have been a, a whole day of my life to get that explanation you know, across to somebody. And she's like, oh, no, I remember when we talked last time. And boom, boom, boom. And it was done. That became my experience with UHC. I actually got to the point where I had individuals in that or in, you know, their customer service line. And I would say, let me speak to this person. Mm-hmm. Well, they're busy right now. I'll hold. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I don't have to. They would confuse. We we got a new CGM in February. Mm-hmm. You know, the warranty, everything up. We upgraded to G5. Um, so we got a new one in February. And then when we started trying to switch to the Omnipod, everybody would go back to February and they'd see the approval for the decks. And they say, oh, well, you know, it, it says here that you were already approved. What do you mean you can't find anybody to get to send it to you? And I would have to go through the whole spiel. And finally, I got somebody on the phone. I was like, well, let me explain it to you. And I explained to her how a pump worked and how the CGM worked. And I was like, from now on, I'm calling you. You should know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I want and you to keep this information in your wonderful. head. Wonderful. <laughs> right, good for you. Yeah. No, but she was wonderful. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And she started to understand it because they didn't, they just didn't know. It was like saying, okay, well. You bought a car. Okay, yes, I did. I bought a two-door sports car back then. Now we need a minivan because we just adopted quadruplets. You know, we need, it's a different thing. It's not going to work for what we're talking about, yeah. you know. Now, so. hey, let me ask you this. Um, so your husband is, how old is he? He is 30. Oh, gosh. See, we go back to this not knowing how old you are thing. A lot of numbers on this podcast. Oh, 37. Okay, so, 37. So, so there's a person who's had diabetes for 33 years about when his daughter's diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Have, let me ask you, has, has Bella's type 1 caused your husband to rethink anything about his diabetes? Hmm. Well, can I plug another organization real quick? I don't care, sure. <laughs> I, I recently wrote an article for Diabetes Minds Partner Folly. Okay. Um, so it, some of this is in there. Um, but, uh, you know, she saved his life. I really think so. He'd get mad at me for saying so. But uh, he really has gotten a lot more serious. His A1Cs have dropped two or three points. Um, you know, he's got a pump for the first time ever, um, sees an endocrinologist regularly. And before that was a lot more sporadic. Yeah. Do you think, do you think he pulled himself together to be a good example for her? Or do you think that he saw it in a different light? I don't know. I definitely think that he pulled himself to be a good example for her. Um, I don't know about the seeing it in a different light thing. You know, he's, he's very much one of those I've had diabetes for 36 years. He's been a doctor for 10. Guess who knows more about this? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, and I get it because I do the same thing. I love. I feel that way too. So. I, le- I love our endocrinology team. We see a nurse practitioner, but I love her. But even she's, she's a type 1 herself, and she says, you know more about her diabetes than I do. So you, you tell me what you think of this, or let's discuss. And I love that about her. Um, but, you know, so he's very kind of know-it-all about things. But he'll come to me every once in a while and say, I'm high at night. Like, can, you know, he doesn't say, can we look at my trends and adjust my basils? Will you give me input? But he'll come to me and be like, I've been high a lot. Like, right. 
what do you think I should do? So, th- yeah. so then here's an interesting question. Who, and you're a stay at home. So, and I am too, by the way, I've been a stay at home dad for, um, over 16 years. So, oh, wow. so, um, so I, most of Arden's diabetes care falls to me just because I'm around her more and because we find it difficult to go back and forth. But yeah. how do you split the time? Does your husband ever manage it on his own or is it, does it mainly stay with you or do you guys go back and forth? He can, but he pretty much defers to me on everything. So, you know, because it, just as the whole saying of your diabetes may vary, you know, what's different, we do things differently with her than we do with him. And, you know, her body reacts differently. And we've learned different things. Potatoes affect him differently than her. Um, you know, it's funny. You'll hear us yell across the house. How many, how much did you bowl us for that? How many carbs do you think are in that? <laughs> do they at least use the same insulin or, or? Um, yeah, they do. They, they both are, have Humalog and they both have the Animus Ping, which has been a lifesaver with this pump thing because we were able to use some of his you extra. trade stuff. And, and so, yeah. yes, you know, and, and they do, they trade up because, you know, sometimes her shorter cannulas work in better spots for him or, you know, vice versa. Right, with right, him. yeah. So. So does this, does your mothering instinct ever transfer to him? Do you ever look at him and think, I wish I could take care of his diabetes for a couple of days and he, he didn't have any say in it. Do you, do you, have you ever had that thought? No. No. Yeah. Cause it's, you wouldn't. I, I, you know, I've never really been involved in, in his diabetes stuff. Um, you will talk about it sometimes now if there's something going on and he might want some input, but you know, before she was diagnosed, I had never given a shot of insulin. I really didn't know how to draw insulin up. I knew, you know, if he had a really bad low, basically open his mouth and pour a bottle of orange juice in it. Other than that, I really wasn't involved he in it. He kept it pretty private and, and took care of it on his own. I mean, he just, that was his thing. I mean, I guess just, so let me, he had done it his whole life. So you now, know? now having seen all that, right, and Bella being diagnosed so early, she gets married one day if she does. Do you hope that she has a more like a, a more of a partnership with the diabetes than you and your husband do? Or do you think one's more valuable than the other? Or what do you, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, I think, I think a spouse should definitely be a little more involved than I was in the beginning. Um, but that child is 100% mine and she is as independent as could be. She's not going to be looking so for a lot of help. I don't me. see her being, really relying on a lot of input from somebody else. Yeah. So maybe it really is just like everything else, just person to person and and what what would work best for somebody. Yeah. I I don't know what my, it's funny. I don't know what my daughter would want, you you know, and she's had type one since she was two and she's going to be 12, gosh, in a week or two. And, and there's, you know, we, we do a very slow transfer of her care from us to her. So we're in the middle of passing it off to her if you left her alone by herself, I think she could keep herself alive, you, you, you know, uh, but, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I know that a lot of the insulin decisions that we make are random out of my head most of the time, yeah. you, you, you know, and there's a lot that goes on in my head that she has no clue she about. She not know about. Yeah. yeah. I, and I struggle to, I, I try so hard to pass it on to her by saying things like, Hey, how much do you think here, like, what do you think I'm thinking about a bolus and like, and try to keep her. And sometimes she's really right on, but there are times where, you know, we'll, you know, I don't know how you do it, but like we have her, her low on her Dexcom G5, her low threshold is 70 and her high is 140. So we get alarms between there. And so if my daughter's 140 diagonal up, I, I bolus for that. 
But, yeah. but if you tell the pump she's 140 and ask her how much insulin, it's not as much as I want to give her. And, you know, and that stuff becomes difficult sometimes. But my wife's like, I don't know what the, you know, I, I gave her insulin. I was like, oh, that's not enough. She's like, well, that's what the pump said. I said, well, yeah, but. Hey, that, we have that exact same conversation right, 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 all right, the time. Right. You're not, you're not in, you know, you're not thinking about this or this or this or all these other weird little calculations that I make. And sometimes it feels like in a split second. And to the point where it's so difficult to put them into words that I even sometimes feel like I'm making it up. You, you know what I mean by that? <laughs> you, you, you know, but it works. No, I totally understand. And we're we're in the process of trying to teach Bella. I mean, she knows how to kind of do the pump, but she's when she was diagnosed, she had not started kindergarten. Well, she's still young. Yeah. We started yeah. the pump at like literally, I think the third day of kindergarten was the first day on the pump. So she missed a couple of days while we figured it all out. Yeah. But you know, that was great because we didn't have to worry about the school giving shots because we don't have a nurse. And, you know, now I'm like, okay, she's starting third grade. There's a third grade teacher at her school that has a child that's type one. So I'm hoping that she ends up being in that class. And then I can just go, I don't really have to teach you all of this stuff. Just, you know, lows, deal with the lows and she can handle everything else. So we're trying to teach her how to bolus on her pump now. And count the carbs herself and everything else. So. Well, Nikki, the first day of third grade was the first day that I put my school plan into action. And my daughter just graduated, graduated. She just got done sixth grade. So she's going to seventh. So third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. So for four school years, um, Arden has not been to the school nurse for anything diabetes related. Awesome. Our, our school nurse is there two days a week and she's under express directions not to touch my child for anything diabetes there related. You go. We do everything through text messages. Yeah, that's it. I want to do this. I want to get her a phone so that we can do that. We just haven't bitten that bullet yet. Yeah, it's really it's really cool. It's and I'll tell you what it's done is it's allowed. It's allowed more timely adjustments to insulin and food, which have have led us to I should knock on something probably. But in a couple of weeks, are you going to brag about an A1C? I'm going to tell you right now between five, nine and six, two for almost yeah, three, yeah. three years. Yeah, yeah. I listened to your last podcast right. last night. And I heard it. And so, and so, <laughs> and the reason I bring it up is because, not because I've done anything special, but because the, the ability to talk back and forth is, it's that big chunk of the day, right? School's a third of the day. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's eight or 10 hours. And even if you're doing great for 16 hours and you give away eight hours, that's how your 6.0 becomes 7.2. Or I seven. totally agree. Right, because right. we, Bella has been the entire time she's been in school. It's been, you know, she's hovered around 200 the whole time because of the spacing out of how they eat. Yeah, it's and it's just the randomness of the timing of when she gets to get her insulin and, and when you exactly. Get and that's and on, honestly, I have my. I'm not sure what hand you're supposed to put up when you're being honest, but I'll put them both up. And uh, and, and, <laughs> and so, but but um, I've never sworn on a Bible in a court. I guess maybe hopefully that's a good thing. Um, but but it just really is the case of of that being able to text back and forth has such an impact on, on the blood sugars. It, it just really does like be, you know, being able to say to somebody, Hey, it's lunchtime. So here, take all this insulin, but then it going wrong. And 35 minutes later, you see that your blood sugars, I don't know, it's 120 and it's two arrows up being able to write then and there go, Oh my gosh, more insulin. It's, oh my gosh. It, what are you talking about? 120 and two hours up, 
two arrows up in your bolus. I would definitely think, wow, I missed, I, I missed on the lunchtime bolus if I was two arrows up. Wow. Yeah. I would be happy if it was 120 after lunchtime at all. <laughs> I, and so I would tell you that most days that things go right, and obviously there's days that things go wrong, but Arden gets her mealtime insulin for lunch 15 minutes before she goes into the cafeteria. Um, I try to have her blood sugar around 70 as the insulin begins to work and she begins to eat food. And usually she doesn't get above about 115 or 120 an hour after lunch. And, wow. and then, and, but that's all just, you know, that kind of like that idea of like bumping the line around on the Dexcom and things like that. But then once that happens, if she should get low afterwards, we can immediately do something. If she should get high afterwards, we can immediately do something. And just, I, I think of that Dexcom as when I see those arrows move, I give insulin or food to stop the arrows. I think, yeah. of, I think of it like that. But, but, but nevertheless, it's however you end up doing it, having contact is, is the main, it's the main focus. You, you can't just let hours and hours go by in between and whatever happens happens. And that's what ends up happening at school all the time. That is, yeah. I mean, they've, you know, she's at kindergarten year, they ate lunch at 1045. Oh. So she would go to school at 730. They would have a snack and then they would have lunch at 1045. And I picked them up. Should they get out at 145? So it's, you know, they would eat three times. You're and like, I'm like, stop eating so much. <laughs> stop, please. Let the insulin work before you feed her again. There's you know? no need for all and these snacks. It, it's got a little better this last year because they ate later in the day, but still that snack in the mid morning, you know, and I was just like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. We've had years but, where the lunch fell at the bad times and, and that stunk or, or, or there was recess before lunch. So it was harder to pre bolus and see, and I hate recess after because active insulin and my child bouncing off the walls, she would crash in the middle you, of recess. And then you have that problem. And, and, yeah. and so we've had them all, like, it feels like I've had every one of them, but what has stopped every one of those problems is is being able to contact her. And it's funny thing is, is that it probably sounds to people who don't do it that, you know, we're in constant contact. She and I maybe text four times a day. Yeah. And, and it, it, 20 seconds at a time, maybe 45 seconds is a long conversation for us. Well, and if she does it, you don't have to have a conversation about it. It's just, right. hey, you know, bolus this much, set an extended basil rate blah 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 go eat like every once in a while i'll say something to her like don't dawdle on the way you know i need you to get there and start eating um, <laughs> you, you know like you know don't stop to talk to somebody or or hey today you've got a couple extra minutes if you want to get in there and hang out with your friends before you start eating we're trying to affect a 130 so i'd like to see it come start coming down before you start eating like that kind of stuff and then we're done then we send emojis at each other and then it's over you, you, you know so um well, Nikki, I am really, we're right up on an hour and, um, and I'm sure everybody listening at this point is probably very grateful for how you've, how you've drug advocacy out into the light for type one diabetes. And, and I hope you keep going and I hope we can keep it going. Yeah. You know, I would, I have said for a couple of years now that once I go back to work when my son is in school that I can, you know, do this advocacy thing full time and, you know, just really get out there. I've, you know. I've got some things going on behind the scenes that we're working on and trying to get back to that. It's been an insane week and nothing has had its normal amount of attention this week. Well, so. I think you've done a really admirable job of, of speaking for people with type one diabetes. Not that I'm sure that's not what you were trying to maybe necessarily do, but your advocacy has been really solid. And well, I am just... fine with, with speaking for people with diabetes. I, my husband says I have type three diabetes and that I'm jealous of everybody that has diabetes. I don't know about that. <laughs> I can't but, imagine that's yeah. true, but okay. And, if, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it right. So yeah. I'm trying to do it right. And, you know, I just, 
I can't stand for somebody to anybody, you know, whether it's a state representative or not, to go out and just treat other human beings like they don't deserve the very basics of a healthy life. You know, so I, I, I just I just so agree with you. And and at the same time, I'm I'm very put off by that idea of if you can't afford it, then you're not trying hard enough. I really that really you know what there's, me. Mississippi is the poorest state in the country. It we we look on the surface like we're doing very well because we're very very blessed. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's the re- repetitive story of your one paycheck away or your one illness away from being bankrupt, and you know that's that's life in Mississippi for a lot of people, not just people with diabetes, but other chronic illnesses too. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. I just can't agree with you enough. And, and, and I'm sorry, my, my dog is waking up in the background, so he's getting a little You're noisy, fine. But, I've got a three-year-old that's going to come barreling through this door in a, in a minute. You told me an hour. Uh, and so, all right, well, is there anything we need to know or is there any way people can help you or anything like that? Um, you know, there's some information on my page, dorky name that it is living in the world of test strips um, because they're everywhere. Um, but, uh, you know... If you'll help me share the message, I will gladly be a very vocal, um, you know, call, helper for any cause that has anything to do with type one. And I just, you know, really want to get the message out there about how much exactly it costs to maintain, you know, a healthy child or any healthy individual with type one, because I don't think a lot of people understand. Don't either. Well, yeah. I will. I will definitely put a link to your Facebook page in here and, and on the blog when it goes up. And I will send you a little bit of code. And if you want to, you can put this conversation right in your Facebook page, and people can listen to it there too. That would be awesome. You might need to include instructions with that. I would have no idea what to do. With no it. big deal. It'll be very easy. <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for coming out. I hope you have a great July Fourth. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Bye. 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 Huge thanks to Nikki for coming on the show and sharing her story. Thanks to Insolent for sponsoring the podcast. Go check out Toby's T1 Detail. I got to tell you, not only does the app look pretty cool, but I'm looking at a picture of Toby here. and He's just adorable. Nick Turtles, look at him. He's waving to me. Actually, he's got the most beautiful blue eye. He's staring right into my soul. Toby sees who I am. Toby, hi, how are you? You should see how he's looking at me. All right, listen, click on the links. It helps the podcast. I appreciate it. Um, don't forget to check out Nikki's Facebook page. And uh, look at the tur- This turtle is looking. I'm a mess. I think I'm falling in love.